morning, pastors, brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know about you, but I love to hear testimony and story about how God transformed life. Not only I like to hear the story, I love to tell them. Now, what do you mean by divine moment? It is a moment that God appeared to you, that God transformed your life, that you encounter God. Divine moment can be in various ways. God may show out and heal you. God may speak to you in your dreams, or God may show you visions. Or you just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit telling you to repent. Now, these are all divine moments. Last week, Brother Matthew preached about the book of chapter 2, uh, the book of Acts chapter 2, talk about when the Pentecost happened, the Holy Spirit fall on them. That is the divine moment. Then Brother Matthew also say, for the first time, Peter stood up and preached, and the first preaching already drew 3,000 to believe in Christ. That's another divine moment. Now, today, when I talk about divine moment, I'm talking about beyond one person transformations. I'm talking about the revival. When revival happens, it's just not a transformation of one life, it's transformations of thousands of lives. And it can extend to quite a long time. Now, some of us might know, in our church history, there are many revival stories and revival period. But I just want to highlight three of them in the 20th century. The first significant revival that happened is called the Wealth Revival in England. It's by this Evan Robert, who was a Methodist training pastor. He's the one who prayed and revival brought out. The next one is in 1906, Azusa Street Revival happened in Los Angeles, US. This is an African-American pastor. He was a slave, uh, he was a son of a slave called William Sigmund. He was actually blind in one eye, but he is a prayer warrior and he loved God very much. He began praying in his house and after many months of concentrated prayer, revival broke out. And another one I didn't put out in the slide is the Korea revival back in 1907. Brothers and sisters, you can Google all this uh, in YouTube and learn about this revival story. But today I want to focus on a revival that many of us might not even know, including me, until recently. It's called the Asbury Revival. Asbury College is a Christian college found by Methodists in uh, Kentucky, USA. Some of us might know our current pastors in charge, Reverend Jebez, and our previous pastor in charge, Reverend Thomas Lau. They all graduated from Asbury Theological College. In those days, it's called Asbury College. Now, why is this very significant to me? Because when I did my undergraduate at University of Le uh, Kentucky, Lexington, it is only 15 miles away from Asbury College. I even went to Asbury College to attend my friend's graduations. So it makes personal to me to know that there is actually revival happened there. How do I get to know this revival story? It's by Judy Wong. 
Some of us know her very well from Wesley Methodist Church Cebu. She gave me this book. Well, it's not in print, so she has to photo set for me called the, the One Divine Moment. She even wrote in this book that she too was there. She was steady there at that moment. And she said, it was my first winter at Asbury College, Wellmore, Kentucky. And it was and is still a life-transforming experience for her until today. So I want to thank Judy for lending me this book. Now, what happened in this revival? So let us listen to a short video clip about the revival that is happening. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what really happens when God really comes on the scene? Well, I'm David Geiertsen, president of Asbury College, and I'm standing here in Hughes Auditorium, where in February of 1970, God came, and God made a difference in people's lives. It was a regular day for chapel, but it wasn't going to be a regular chapel. Students came, and the Spirit of God began to move, and before we realized what was happening, God began to convict young people of their sin. They confessed that sin and received the cleansing power of God. But along with that, there came the infilling of the Holy Spirit to do the things that God has asked us to do, to love Him supremely, and to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, during the next days that followed, before we realized what was happening, the spirit of what was happening here at Hughes began to fan out across the country. Student witness teams went to a variety of college campuses. I happened to be on one of those campuses and heard one of those teams. The revival broke out on our campus and lasted over two weeks. It spread out across the land and around the world, and today, literally, thousands of people and many churches and nations, as well as college campuses, have been impacted by that experience with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's time for God to come again, isn't it? It's time for us to experience another divine moment. And the reason we've prepared this videotape is to let you know that God is still in the business of bringing people into a deep relationship with Him all for the purpose of cleansing us from sin and empowering us to do the work he's called us to do. God bless you as you experience for yourself another divine moment. As you can see, when this uh, Principal David mentions, this divine moment happened, and the student is just as what the scripture read, chapter, chapter 1, verse 8, that they received the Holy Spirit and they become God's witnesses in the, not only in Asbury College, but they went to every colleges, and every colleges that they went to, the revival brought out. Now, this is the power of the word of the Holy Spirit. Robert, he's actually the editor for this book. He say, there are moments when God decisively to reveal himself and his purposes. And of this divine moment came on February 3rd, 1970, while many students across America were burning down, building and knocking in the street. Students of Asbury were strongly drawn to their need to pray. It was as if the campus had been suddenly invented by another power, and we know is the power of the Holy Spirit. He said the whole week the class was cancer. God had taken over the campus. Thousands of students, as you see on the slide, remained in the auditorium. 
They are there not to demand for freedom or protest. They are there to confess their sin and to sing praises to God. Let me share with you some of the testimony and confessions the student make in the auditorium. As Asbury College is a Christian college, so we could presume most of the students should be from Christian background. However, many students have not really come to know Christ in a personal way. So one of the students stand out and say, I spent three years here in this college. I'm totally disillusioned because I look at Christian and not Christ. But today, for the first time, I look at Jesus Christ. Am I not disillusioned? I have not been let down. It's the biggest, happiest day of my life. Another young man, he was a son of a well-known preacher, said that he heard thousands of sermons about salvations, but he had never been saved. He said, for years I have, been, I have fooled everyone, but I know I cannot fool myself because God gave me no peace. But today, I found God. A quiet, unassuring psychology professor stung the chapel when he confessed that he had been living in a life of shame for six years. He said, I have been keeping out the outward appearance as righteous men, but there is no peace, no joy in my heart. It has been dry, and I cannot go on living like this. Then he sat down, and the hall was quiet. Two days later, he ran up to the stage with joy and said, I found God. God has given me a new joy in my life, a new purpose for living. Now, this is again like what our texts have said. When they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke the word of God boldly. They are very bold in confessing their sin. They never think of how to preserve their faith. They are very boldly to testify the greatness and the goodness of God. For 185 hours without interruptions, the service have continued. During these 185 hours, there is no pressure, no schedule, no program, no offering, no benediction. Students line up to come out to confess their sin, to sing praises, and to gather in small group confessing sins to one another, and to give God the praise and thanks. Dr. Dennis, who was the principal, president of that time, said that one of the lady students came to him. She was in tears. She looked miserable and sad. She asked him, what should I do? I'm a compulsive liar, and li I lie to numerous of people. Dr. Dennis told her, you must repent, confess to God. Then you must go to the student that you have lied to and confess to them and ask for forgiveness. After three days, he met this lady. Now, this lady now is beaming with joy. Her countenance changed. She said, I have confessed to God and have repented. And I also have confessed to 34 people that I have lied to. Now I'm completely set free. The local TV news reporter reported that God has come to Asbury College. 
because of the news broadcast, many people, including non-believers, came to the auditorium to actually want to see what is happening. Wang Yangmeng, he came out of curiosity. Later on, he said, I don't even know why I am here, but I'm glad I'm here. I wish everyone would come. I have tried everything before I came here. Drugs, sex, gambling, everything. I was smoking marijuana. With drugs, you get high, but you come down hard. He said, today, we cry. With Jesus Christ, I have the highest joy. Am I willing to go on my knee and pray that all my friends will come here and get to know Jesus? Brothers and sisters, this is what divine moment is all about. It is about Jesus who walked into our life and transformed us into his image more and more. Now, what we are talking about is the revival in other parts of the country. Is there a revival in Malaysia? Yes, there are two significant revivals. The first one is called the Barrier Revival. Solomon, who wrote this book, said that, it was, a, it was October the 4th, 1973. There was a meeting, a group of uh, ISCF student leaders of the Borneo Government Secondary School. They meet every Thursday to discuss about what they will teach for the Sunday school in the following week at various villages. Then after that, they will pray together. However, that day, he wrote, I felt unusually troubled, the increasing sense of inadequate and unworthiness to be their spiritual leader. That feeling compelled me to resign from my adversary role, Define, defining my ego and my pride. I admit to the trust student of my hypocritical lifestyle, and I intended to sort out, I need time to sort out myself. So I painstakingly disclose how I have exhibited outward righteousness, yet entertaining worldliness in my soul. And finally, I announced my decisions to quit. The confessions was followed by a dead silence. However, from that moment onward, the Holy Spirit took control. Like a gentle breeze, an awesome sense of holiness of God filled the room. We felt that God cannot be fooled. All the student leaders volunteered to pour out their heart to, out and began to confess their weaknesses, acknowledge their inner struggle with sin. They all commit to uh, admit to one another, I'm guilty too. Then one 15-year-old student who had been very timid and never prayed aloud and asked, can I pray? So the boy started praying. Initially, his voice was very faint. Then it became louder and louder as he prayed. He began to confess his sin before God. Soon he was crying and weeping in remorse as he detailed his sin and weaknesses. It became more and more evident that something extraordinary was taking place when another student voluntarily began to utter a similar repentant prayer and another followed and all began to weep one after the other. The room was filled with loud cry and wailing. 
each boy poured their heart out to God. The crying was agonizing, pleading God for mercy. Why others go around and hugging their friends and ask for confessions to one another, seeking forgiveness. Everyone was filled with tears. The massive outpouring went on for 45 minutes. And this commotion attracted the whole community, the boarding school of 100 students. All came to this class and they were gripped with the fear of God. And they all felt that they need to confess their sin. The intense move of the Holy Spirit to convict mightily continued to flow like a flood. Nothing can stand in his way. Like the Asbury student, this student from Barrio Government School also went out to the villages to share their testimony and revival brought out as the same also like what is happening in Asbury. And one month later, they bring this revival to Bakalalang. And Bakalalang revival continue and sustain on because of this man called Ba'agon. Ba'agon is a prayer warrior. He will go out nearby mountain of Gunung Balingi to pray for 6 a.m. to 6, uh, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That means he prayed throughout the whole night in the, in the forest. He even went all the way to Lawas on foot to the highest mountain, Bukit Tebu, to seek God's praise, uh, faith. He then, back in 1984, he spoke to the people and convinced them that God was going to show a marvelous, miraculous things up in Gunung Murut. And he was the man who started the revival meeting in Mount Murut. And during this period, God used him to perform many, many miracles. One pastor concluded that there are seven characteristics of a revival. Number one, timing. Revival emerged during time of spiritual and moral decline, which led to intense prayer. Brothers and sisters, don't you think we are living in this age of moral and spiritual decline? Number two, prayer. Prayer put a longing into the heart of many to pray for revival. All revival started because someone or a small group of people are praying behind the scene. The word, the preaching or the reading of God's word bring deep convictions and desire for Christ. That is why we need to read the word of God daily. Fourth, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes people to a spiritual death they could not achieve on their own. Let us desire to be constantly filled by the Holy Spirit. Number five, convictions. Affected sinners are inconsolable except in Christ. These convictions bring people to repentance, confessing their sins to God and to one another. Number six, glory to God. God received all praise, glory, and honor for bringing revival. Divine moment is not orchestrated by us, but is orchestrated by God and God alone. So he should take all the glory and honor. Seven, reformations and revival. Revival produce lasting fruit. New ministries are found. The society experienced a reform of moral 
and more and more people converted. Brothers and sisters, why am I telling all you all this story? I'm telling you all this story because I hope you and I, all of us, will have that desire to see revival in our lifetime. We want to see revival in our personal life, in our family, in our church, in our nations. We need God's divine moment. Dr. Dennis said about revival, he said revival, the emphasis was never upon the gift of the Holy Spirit. The emphasis was on the need of repentance, the need of restitution, the need for repair relationship, human to human, the need to bring our life to obedience. Lives were transformed. The divine moment did not come about through human scheduling or preaching. Instead, it came as people opened themselves to the living God and received the forgiveness and the cleansing which God alone can bring. Ask yourself, am I open to the living God? Am I willing to confess my sins so that I can receive the forgiveness and the cleansings from God? So what shall we do, brothers and sisters? I think let us read this familiar passage from Second Chronicle together. When I shut out heaven and there is no rain, or command the lotus to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, when we look at the church in many parts of the world, it may seem like the heaven are closed. The heaven are closed. There is drought. There is pestilence. Many parts of the world are facing drought. No rain. So they make the agriculture activity very difficult. The soil is dry and almost impossible to till. The, nation, uh, the United Nations report in June this year, 2022, reported that 2.3 billion of people, this means almost about 30% of the world populations are facing water shortage. So what is the solution? More rain. Now this is the situation of the land. How about the situation of the church today? The state of the church is no difference. We need spiritual rain. We need the Holy Spirit. We sow much, but we reap little. We labor hard. Our effort seems to be have little result. God has given us a solution. God say that when we see ourselves in these situations as above listed, we must do these four things. First, we must humble ourselves. Second, we must pray. Third, we must seek God's face. Fourth, we must turn from our wicked way and sin. Then God will hear from heaven. Then God will forgive our sin and he will heal our land. So if we want to see revival, we must humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face. We must repent, turn from our sin and ask God for forgiveness. God is merciful and faithful. He will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. God wants us to seek him with our heart.
Jeremiah 29, 12 to 13 say, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit to his church in these generations. A great harvest is coming. Land that has been closed shall open. The knowledge of the law shall fill the earth as the water cover the sea. God sang revival in answer to prayer. Think of the men like our founder, John Wesley, Edwin Robert, William Simon, Bart Agon. They were instruments in the hands of God to bring revival and transform millions of lives because they pray and God answer their prayer. God is looking for people who will give themselves to prayer. Ezekiel 2.30 say, I look for someone among them who will build up the wall and stand before me in the gate on behalf of the land so I will not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Are you the someone that God is looking? During one of the national prayer conference, SIB pastors, Dr. Chiu shared, why should we pray? He said, prayer unleashed the power of God. We see in history and in the Bible, prayer precedes Revival. Without prayer, there cannot be revival. History tells us that even in our own country, the barrier revival, because of the schoolboys who pray, when the schoolboys start to pray, God pour forth revival. And today we must cry, God pour forth your revival. Ephesians 6 says that we do not battle against the flesh and the blood against the principality and the power. The battle is in the spiritual realm. It is not the size of the church or the way we do church that matters. Everything has to do with prayer. Yes, efficiency, effect, uh, efficiency is important. Effectiveness is important. But we should go on to efficacy. That is doing the right thing at the right time in the right way, to the right people, giving the right result. We must sense what God is doing. It is time to pray for revival in our land. And this is the right thing that we should do. It's a season to pray for revival. My dear brothers and sisters, prayer is the key to all revival. If you are serious about encountering God or want to love God in a deeper way, ask yourself, how much am I willing to spend time to be with God in prayer? How's your personal prayer life? Do you pray only when you are in trouble? Or you pray daily because you know you need to depend on God, who is the Almighty? If we are serious and desire to see revival in our life, in our family, in our church, not only we need to strengthen our personal prayer, we need to commit ourselves to join the church corporate prayer. I heard some people say prayer meeting is boring. I don't like the program. Brothers and sisters, if you love your, our people, if you love your church, if you love the nations, 
you will come to pray. It's not about I like or not. It's about commitment. I just learned from Bill Wilson said that commitment need to be greater than our emotions. If we let our emotions run our life, there will be no revival. We must commit to do what God wants us to do. God is seeking for people who will pray for revival. Personally, I enjoy our Friday 5.30 early morning prayer because it is not structured. We let the Holy Spirit move and you are, when the Spirit moves you to pray in any languages, we pray and we enjoy that moment in the presence of God. Brothers and sisters, if you want to see revival in TMC, I strongly encourage every one of us to join either our Thursday prayer meeting or our Saturday prayer meeting. If you are serious, come join both prayer meetings. Because only when we humble ourselves, pray together, then God will heal our land. Brothers and sisters, if you desire to see revival, we must start praying. Later on, when you come and receive the Holy Communion, when you knew at the New Year Day, tell God, God, what do you want me to do in order to see revival? And for those who know that God is calling you to pray, tell God, grant me that commitment to pray. Let's pray. Father, we want to give you thanks because it is your word who tells us that, Father, if we turn from our wicked way, if we humble ourselves and if you pray, Father, you will heal our land, you will heal our church, and you will heal our nations. Father, grant us this commitment to know it is your desire for us to, be, to live a transformed life, a life of power, not from within, but from your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we come. Send your fire to burn away all the impurity in us, the selfishness in us, the self-righteousness in us, the self-dependency in us. Burn it away. Burn the things that is not pleasing to you in us so that we can be a clean instrument in your hand to be ready to be used by you. Bless us. Bless our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.